So I uh, made the jump and I picked up uh, one donkey off Craigslist uh, for 250 bucks. Diz Runs Radio episode 1018 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey, y'all, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, got a couple openings at the concierge level of coaching, which, uh, as a reminder, is my highest level. It's, it's, I'd like to think it's got everything you need, including race day support, meaning that uh, if you would like to have your coach literally come to your race and run with you, we can make that happen at no additional cost. It's all, it's all cooked into the monthly cost. Uh, it can happen up to, up to a couple times a year. Obviously, depending on which races, things like that. A few, few little bits of fine print. We'll work through that. But uh, if, if you want that, you want the strength training, you want all the things, check out Concierge Coaching. Dizruns.com slash concierge to go right to that page. Or if you just want to check out my coaching stuff in general, including the Coterie, one-to-one, Dizruns.com slash coaching is the link. Scroll on through, get the information, see what's at the concierge level, compare it with one-to-one, compare it with Coterie, see if one of them might be right for you. And uh, let's get going. But uh, if, if you want to s- dive in deep, treat yourself. Concierge coaching might just be the right option. Anyway, check it out. Dizruns.com slash concierge. And now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey, y'all. Uh, today's guest is someone that uh, I've been trying to line up a chat with for a while now. And, and today, finally, able to uh, make it happen. And, uh, you know, for most of us, I feel like running is, is somewhat of a solo adventure. I mean, sure, sure we've got, you know, the difficult, different social layers built in and you know, a lot of social dynamics as part of the sport. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a thing that we kind of do on our own. Um, even if we're in a group, it's still on our own. But not so much for today's guest. Today's guest is uh, for s- someone for whom running and racing is very much a team endeavor. And that's a little, little tease there. We'll get into it as we go, no doubt. Uh, kind of look at some of the dynamics of the team and, and how we got into it and a whole lot more with Mr. Shane Wiegand. So Shane, uh, thanks for joining us today and welcome to the show. Hey everyone. Uh, yeah, like, uh, like you just said, um, part of probably one of the coolest team sports uh, out there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into it. And y'all, if you enjoy today's conversation and you want to uh, kind of learn a little bit more, follow along, things like that, uh, nmpackburrows.com is the website on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, it's the same handle or the same, you know, same, same, whatever. It's the same handle on both those places, the same as the URL is what I'm trying to say, at nmpackburrows, all one word, no spaces or underscores or any of that nonsense on both Instagram and Facebook. And uh, as per usual, we'll have thing links, things linked up in the show notes today uh, to get you back to the different places to kind of find out more about Shane and, again, some of his, his teammate dynamics and what's going on and all that good stuff. Dizruns.com slash 1018. Dizruns.com slash 1018 to get you back to the show notes for today. So, Shane, the way we always start off each episode of the show is with uh, one simple question that usually leads to a whole lot of follow-up questions that, that I only have to, I have to pick one at that point, but the, the first question is the easy one. Um, and it just tees up everything else. And that's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Favorite distance to race? Uh, probably 
probably half marathon. Um, I think it's enough to, uh, it's enough to really make you feel good after the run and the training isn't enough to completely consume your life. I've ran, um, a few trail ultras and those always seem to just, just fill up your schedule with training and you stress about it. But half marathon, it seems like, uh, that's a perfect amount of time to balance work and life and, um, get out, get out in the trails. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, um, I, I think if I had to, to, not that I keep track, but if I was keeping track, I think that the half marathon would be a, probably the most common, commonly uh, named answer for that question. And for that exact reason, I mean, it's just, everybody's busy and, and sure, you know, we, we prioritize or we find time for the things we really enjoy doing. So if you want to stretch out the mileage once in a while, cool, like nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, just day to day with life and craziness and all that kind of stuff. I feel like, I feel like you're on, you're onto it. And a lot of people are as well that half marathon, it just, it, it it's, it's enough, but it's not too much. Absolutely. So how'd you get into the sport, Shane? Is it something that's uh, always been part of your life or where'd you, where'd you kind of, you know, decide that running was something that you, uh, kind of wanted to, to dip your toes into? Uh, so I had a, I moved, I moved down to New Mexico for a full-time job. And at the time I had a, I had a six month old chocolate lab. And when I'd go to work during the day, she would destroy my house. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'd been kind of, you know, off and on runner once in a while. Uh, but never had really done anything consistent. And, uh, so I decided to start to get my dog out. I had some public land out just pretty much right outside my back backyard. And so started getting her out and then, uh, uh, did my first half marathon race was like, Hey, that was a lot of fun, uh, trail, uh, mostly trail stuff. And then, uh, fell into this world of burros and donkeys and running them through the mountains of the Southwest, which has been an absolute amazing experience. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I am a, uh, a dog runner. I'm not a dog, but I run with my dog. Uh, <laughs> you know, she's, she's my, my, my Monday through Friday running companion. Uh, she's getting a little, a little gray in the gray in the muzzle and, and, uh, you know, some of the long runs are a little bit much for her these days, but, but I, I really enjoy running with my dog and it's, you know, it's, it's always kind of puts a smile on my face when somebody's like, yeah, you know, I kind of like, I get the idea of a tired dog is usually a less mm-hmm. destructive dog. It's a, it's a, it's a more well-behaved dog in the house. Um, so I, I totally get it. Um, running with the, like before you started running with the, with the, the burrows running with the dog was, was that like, I don't know, I, I'm admittedly biased in case that hasn't already come through, but like, I love running with my dog. And, and that was a big part of getting her was getting a, a running type dog or a dog that could run at, at least, I guess. Um, did you, did you enjoy, I mean, was that just like, I feel like, again, I'm biased. It's always such great quality time between me and my dog when we're out there running every day. Was it similar for you and, and your pup? Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it definitely, it's just more time spent with your, with your animal. And, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. You just build more trust and bonds and get to get into all sorts of crazy stuff together. I, when I moved to New Mexico, I moved to a pretty interesting place in New Mexico that had a lot of, a lot of sketch stuff happening. Uh, just, I was out, out of college and you can only afford what you can afford. So picked a house sight unseen, uh, wasn't in the best neighborhood. So we ended up running, running in the desert a lot together and saw a lot of interesting stuff. And, uh, like you said, now I'm kind of on the other end of it where she's 10 years old. She's starting to get pretty slow and everything. Um, but she's had a heck of a life. Um, it's kind of, it starts to get rough when you, you know, they have a hard time getting up off the couch and stuff. And you're like, man, you know, I shouldn't have, maybe I should have done, shouldn't have took her on some of those long runs and stuff. But, uh, you just look at them and look at the incredible experiences they've had and, just as, just like us, they get a runner's high and a satisfaction after the whole deal. Uh, you know, you get in a good workout, they get a good workout. You both just plop down on the couch and just just love it. So they get the same sort of 
satisfaction from it that that you do i think oh for for sure and and i don't know about your dog but i know for for mine it's like you know i'm getting up in the morning kind of putzing around or whatever like like she's cool with that but as soon as i take that first step with my shoes on towards the door it's like oh, yeah. there's there's no chance there's no chance of me sneaking out without her um unless my wife is close behind and then she'll 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 take the dog every once in a while if i'm going to do a speed workout or something like that um but it's like like I mean, yeah, I, I hate to put, you know, human emotions onto animals because who knows if they're exactly like that or whatnot. But like, mm-hmm. it, it's hard pressed to say that, that the dog doesn't enjoy the run every bit as much as I do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think I don't know if you call it a runner's high, but I think they could definitely get some sort of some sort of just relief from, you know, burning off energy and instead of being cooped up in the house all day. And um, I, I mean, I just took one of my other older dogs out. I only have to take it seems like all of our dogs are getting older now, but, uh, <laughs> I've got three of them. Uh, but now instead of, you know, getting out four or five days a week, we get out once or twice a week and that's totally enough for them mm-hmm. just to be mellow all week and just kind of enjoy things. I think a little more, they're not so high strung and, um, antsy. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, and you know, again, not to put human emotions on dogs or dog emotions on yeah. humans, but I feel like it's the same for me too. Like if, as long as I'm getting out several times a week, like, the antsiness, some of the, the, the high stress, the high, or maybe not high stress, but the high strungness or whatever the right word is there just kind of mellows mm-hmm. me out as long as I'm staying semi-consistent yeah. with it. Yep. So how'd you, uh, you know, running with the dog, that's, that's cool. I'm totally on board with that. I mean, like I said, I, I do it just about every day. Um, but, but where, where did the, I don't know, the fascination, the interest, the opportunity to, <laughs> to take, um, a much bigger animal, uh, out and, and go run with, running run with, uh, the burrows. How did, how did that whole process get started? Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, like, like most good stories, it started, it starts with a girl. <laughs> I met a wonderful, I met a wonderful woman who's now my wife, uh, in central New Mexico. And she was, she was pretty, or she had horses and, um, kind of had all that knowledge and background. And I'm a big elk hunter. Um, I had just done a couple of bow hunts, uh, here in New Mexico and Colorado, uh, uh, hunting elk and you know once once you get an elk it's a lot of meat to you have to move out of the mountains and you know, a lot of times you have to move it a long ways and so i got, had gotten two elk back to back had done some what they call like a pack out so i had to move 200 pounds of meat um off the mountain and it darn near killed me it was really really tough i was in great shape i had just run a um i think i had just run a run a, a mountain 50k um but it just it destroyed me and uh, i was like well there's there's got to be a better way to do this so i was looking at maybe getting some llamas or i wasn't really wasn't sold on horses i didn't want to get some horses um but i wanted to do more stuff in the back country um just a little bit easier and be able to kind of get into those remote and cool places so uh, ended up thinking about donkeys and, uh, cause I'm in the Southwest. There's a lot of cool heritage and history with, with the donkey in the borough. And I was like, well, that would be kind of neat. So I, uh, made the jump and I picked up, uh, one donkey off Craigslist, uh, for 250 bucks, just met, met some, shoot, the donkey Julia, um, was just living in kind of someone's backyard, little pasture, a couple acres, um, had never been out of the yard essentially, um, picked her up for 250 bucks and then, um, actually met another lady on Facebook who just said her donkey needed something to do. Um, so I essentially kind of got a free lease, if you will, on him. I didn't own him or anything. He was just staying at my house and I did stuff with him. Um, and then I had two donkeys and, uh, found this crazy sport called pack burrow racing, um, and, uh, fell in love with it. It's absolutely incredible sport. 
how did you like? And maybe this is a, a an obvious question. I don't know, but like, how did you like? It's one thing to, to all right. Like, you have a, a, an idea for you know to get some some working animals and and things that you want to mm-hmm. do with it. But then, like, how do you just stumble upon? Oh, by the way, there's also this this whole running scene. I mean, was it something that was local and you just hadn't uncovered it yet, or kind of how did you like really get shown that like pack bro racing is a thing? So I I think I think where it started was I was trying to find information on just packing the backcountry in the wilderness with with burrows uh, burrows and donkeys being the same animal same thing just different vernacular um, and uh, I was trying to find some information on it just online and there just wasn't a lot of info on it. So, I mean, even though donkeys have been used for and still are used for, you know, blue collar hard work across the world for thousands of years, um, there just wasn't a lot of current information on it. Like there's one book about packing with donkeys um, back from like 1980 that's still in circulation. I'm just like, there's not much info here. And then in the, you know, the internet search I was trying to do, um, you type in packing with donkeys and these pictures started showing up of people running with them. And I'm like, what is this business? <laughs> um, this does not seem like, you know, you're low and slow hiking through the backcountry. I was like, this person has a race bib on. They've got, they've got uh, a pair of ultras and uh, a, a, a racing vest. I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> so, um, and it turns out it was just pretty much in our backyard. We don't, didn't really, didn't have any races in New Mexico at the time, but in Colorado, uh, there was a ton of stuff going on. So I was like, I'm going to do this. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Wow, you know, it's it's it, there's so many questions that that kind of go through my head, and 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 again, I don't know how many we'll get to, and, and how many you know something you'll say will trigger me to, to go to some some different angle, um, but you know, at that point, and and correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm missing some dots or whatever, but like like you said, you'd done a you'd done a 50k previous to the hunts, like like running wasn't something that was was super foreign. I mean, you're running with your dog, like you, you got you got mm-hmm. a bit of running going on, um, but I feel like jumping into whether it's a subculture or what, just, I mean, mm-hmm. running, but just completely different, almost like somebody who's been running on the track forever. And then they go run on the trails. Like it's still running, but it's a, it's a different beast metaphorically uh, speaking. Yeah. Now you're going from running with your dog to running in the trails with a, with, with the, with the donkeys, a different beast, literally speaking, like what, what's that transition period like, or, or what was the, the kind of maybe the first, the first year or so of, of exploring this new sport that you just stumbled upon? Yeah, it, it it's completely different. So I try to a lot of folks uh, come into the sport, and well, here let's we'll set some kind of the the, the ground rules of what what actually packboard racing is. Yeah. So, um, so the whole the whole spiel give you the little bit of history around it first. Um, so the legend is around the whole sport is uh, back in the day there were two miners who struck gold up on the mountain, um, and they had to run back and stake their claim at the claims office back in whatever mountain town it is. Um, So they raced back down the mountain with their donkeys in tow and thus formed the first Packborough race. Um, In reality, in the late 1940s, a lot of these mining towns that are now huge recreation meccas like Leadville and Fairplay and um, these incredible mountain towns, they were dying dying mining towns. Um, Mining from the late 1900s was kind of starting to dry up. A lot of that copper and silver and gold production. Um, This is before some of the other um, uh, some of the other minerals they mine there now, uranium and some other things that kind of came to light later. But all those supplies were kind of running out, and these towns were just starting to go away. And so they needed something to pull tourists in. Uh, So 1949 was the first official Packboro race. 
Um, and since then, uh, it's it's immensely grown. There, the course the course lengths are anywhere from uh, just a 5K three mile route all the way up to 29 miles in Fair Play, Colorado. Um, some of them are straight ultra marathons. They're pretty much all in the mountains of some sort. Um, can be single track trail, can be two track trail, and the basic rules are you can't ride your donkey, um, so no riding is allowed. Uh, you can run any type of donkey, so there's three sizes of donkeys, essentially. You've got the minis, which are like the little cute pet and zoo donkeys you see. Um, you've got standards, which are kind of like your nativity scene donkey that you okay. see, um, just medium size, still 400, 500 pounds. And then you've got your mammoths, which are great big donkeys. Um, a lot of them are used to breed mules, um, so just great big, great big animal thousand eight hundred thousand pounds um and so you can run any any type of donkey and then the other thing is we have to carry a pack saddle which is kind of the traditional uh saddle that miners would use to carry their stuff around everywhere um and then we have to carry a pan a pick and a shovel so those three things are kind of an homage to the heritage of how this whole sport got started um just to the miners who were first or some of the 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 first people to, right. to, to kind of develop the area. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where it all came from. Um, and that's what it is, how I kind of got into it and started doing it my first year. Uh, so I got, got my donkey from Craigslist, Julia. Um, I had the other one, but he was a little bit older. His name was Cisco. Um, they're both a standard size donkey. So, um, their back kind of comes up mid torso on me. Um, not a huge animal, but not small by any means. Uh, and then, uh, so I started running Julia. I was still living out in the desert in central New Mexico. Um, and that's really easy to say. I started running her, but donkey, you kind of got to figure out how to operate your donkey. Uh, when, when I have new folks come into our, our group or our group runs and stuff, I tell them, forget everything, everything that you think this is going to be. Um, a lot of folks just want to grab a hold of the lead rope, which is attached to their halter and then just go for a run. But it's more of Yes, you, you run, but it, you're trying to operate this entire other machine and this teammate you have who definitely can run and wants to run, but they <laughs> donkeys have serious trust issues. Uh, that's where they kind of get the misnomer of being stubborn, right? Um, everybody's seen the stubborn donkey, whatever picture, comic, cartoon. Um, but they just, they, they want to, they take a long time to build trust. So uh, they'll... My first year, it took at least two months for Julia to really trust me that, you know, this running thing was okay. I wasn't about to lead her over a cliff. We were doing this together. We were a team. Um, sometimes I didn't want to run. Sometimes she didn't want to run. Um, you kind of follow those highs and lows together as a team. Um, and uh, sometimes it, yeah, you both hit that high at the perfect time and you're flying down a trail. It's amazing. Sometimes you hit your highs at different times and you kind of got to maneuver and, um, you know, try to try to motivate the donkey. And sometimes the donkey's motivating for you, your lungs are screaming <laughs> and she's running uphill. It's you're at 10,000 feet in some mountain town in Colorado. Um, and you run with her. If she's running, you run. Um, and you just try to try to balance those highs and lows together. So it's a completely different thing to jump into. Uh, it's, 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 it's so different than running with your dog but also a lot similar. Um, and you really are a team and you got to build trust and you got to build a bond. So my very first race, uh, uh, I think like back in 2016 or something, uh, 
me and me and Julia um, did a lot of training for about two months together, um, just dirt roads, uh, little fire trails and stuff like that. I was feeling pretty decent. Uh, so we signed up for our first race, which was a 10 mile run in Creed, Colorado, just another little mining town or former mining town. And the course uh, goes out of town. All these ra- normally or most of these races start on Main Street, these mining towns. They start a little bit later, um, 10, 11 a.m., because that kind of helps bring some tourism into the into the businesses and stuff, which is a big part of our culture is helping support communities. And uh, so start on Main Street about 10 o'clock in the morning, starting to get pretty warm. And uh, it's a 10 mile course. It's mostly gravel. Um, uh, it's about half gravel, decent gravel road, then two track Jeep trail. And then you circle back around. It's kind of a lollipop loop, if you will, um, and come back into town. So the starting gun goes off, which we've got 60, 70 teams of donkeys, a team being one person, one donkey. So we got 65, te- 65 teams there on Main Street. Starting gun goes off and we all run down the street. Uh, and it's an incredible feeling that the, um, probably for a solid half mile, three quarters of a mile out of town, both sides of the street aligned with spectators. It's an incredible experience. Um, and me and Julia start with the front, the front pack right away. Uh, we're actually, I think we led for about a mile and a half out of, out of town. Um, I was like, Oh, we got this. This is awesome. (laughs) Best sport ever. Like (laughs) I'm going to smoke these guys. And, um, so take off out of town and then we start to hit the two track. Um, which is a little rocky, kind of crushed gravel, but it's getting into some bigger mountain rocks. And then the rocks get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and then we're walking through like baseball size stuff up this mountain. And the one thing I didn't think of, I'm a brand new donkey owner. I, I, I don't have a horse background or livestock background or any of that. And the one thing I didn't think of is she had lived her entire life in a sand lot in, in essentially the South Valley of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Her, her feet, we're not conditioned to the rocks. So we got about three miles into our 10 mile race. And then we got past a little bit. We got past some more. And then about an hour later, I think pretty much everybody had passed us. Uh, we got up and over the hill and started coming back towards town about mile six or seven. And she was not going to run anymore. Her feet were so sore from all those rocks. So we walked it in the last three miles. Um, I think of 60 some teams, I was uh, 66th place out of 67. The only reason I didn't get last place because I was brand new to a sport. This was, this is my first race. I didn't realize there was a prize for what they call last ass. Um, <laughs> it's at every, pretty much every race. Uh, and I didn't know the lady behind me knew that was a thing. So there's this, this, this lady and her donkey walking behind me and they just wouldn't catch me. And I was, we were walking slow turtle pace. <laughs> and, uh, so finally I was like, heck with this, let's just go into town. So we kind of half jogged back down to the, the finish line and, then I was standing there and the lady comes across and they're like, yeah, everybody celebrates. And I was like, well, the race is done. And they, I think they handed her a free pair of, a free pair of shoes and a trophy. And I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> hold on. What is this? <laughs> um, so that was my first race. Uh, I, I got almost second to last ass. And um, of course, like we absolutely welcome all the donkey puns. I've heard them all at this point. <laughs> and uh, it, uh, um, it was a humbling experience. And since then, uh, I've figured out a little, I figured it out quite a bit more, um, just to really how to, how to motivate your donkey, um, some different techniques as far as driving them in front of you or having them lead, lead at certain points in the race. And, uh, 
um, we've done pretty well. We've gotten uh, we've gotten a good good handful of first place buckles and won a lot of a lot of cash and uh, um, starting to starting to get getting it figured out kind of. That's so awesome. that's awesome. I, I I would love to dive into to some more of the details. Not just because I'm curious, I guess. Like it's it's, sure. it's so foreign to me, but it sounds it sounds so interesting, and it's kind of one of those like you know, oh man, like I wish we had Burl racing in Florida. Like that sounds like it would be mm-hmm. fun. Like I'd love to give it a try. Um, but but I, before I get into too much of the weeds, I guess maybe and this is probably another one of those obvious questions that you've probably been asked a half a dozen times. So forgive me for that. Ask away, yeah. Um, but you know, prior to us starting our chat today and and me following you a little bit on social media and some of the the, the groups that we've been in and, and, and whatnot. Um, Pretty much my only experience with Burrow Racing or knowledge of it was from the the Running with Sherman book from Christopher McDougall. Yeah, yeah. Um, does that does that book paint a, a pretty realistic picture? Is it a little bit over dramatized, whatever the a little over dramatic, little little artistic <laughs> uh, endeavor or artistic license going on with writing that book, or is it is it relatively pretty accurate to some of the struggles that he had with running with, you know, when he got Sherman and running with him and, and mm-hmm. it sounds like there's some alignment with trust issues and things like that. But what, what's your take from the inside? I'm assuming you've read the book or at least heard about enough about it. Is it, is it somewhat relatable? Um, there, there's definitely, there was definitely some creative, uh, creative, uh, leeway taken in, in some parts of that book. Um, uh, I've read, I've read about half of it to be honest with you. Um, but it, uh, it, no, it, it, it's a, you know, taken, taken from a 30,000 foot view, it provides a pretty decent background of, of what it's like to run a donkey. Um, the big thing, like I just said, is, 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 is trust. Um, a lot of time, like if you want to get into the sport, one of the great ways to do it is there's several, several, several outfits that rent burrows for the day and you can, you know, pay our, our entry fees are pretty low for the actual race itself. They're usually about 50 bucks or something like that. Um, then I think those are out, those rental outfits charge about a hundred bucks for your burrow for the day. And, uh, uh, it's a great way to give the sport a try. But what I always tell people is do your best to get out with that donkey beforehand. So if you're going to make like this trip to Colorado or Arizona to go try one of these races, um, make it a week long vacation, come out the week before and, uh, connect with your, your rental outfit and get out on a couple of training runs that week. Um, if you're local, it's that much easier. Um, they do a lot of training runs all throughout the year. Um, and start to develop that trust with that donkey because it's really got to know you and uh, just to really have some some good success. And then once you develop that bond, it's it's incredible. Um, you can just fly and accomplish all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, and, and, and I guess maybe that's that's the direction I'd like to go in with, with maybe specifically with you and, and Julio. But, um, you know, what is – like for, for me with running with my dog, I feel like I've, I've trained sure. her pretty well, um, you know, in that like – a, when we're running in the neighborhood, like she kind of knows what our route is anyway. So it's, it's pretty mm-hmm. familiar to her. But like, if I say left, she knows, like if we're at an intersection that we would normally turn right, I say left, she goes left. Um, you know, if, if there's a car coming and I say sidewalk, like I don't have to yank her. I don't have to pull her. Like she jumps up on the sidewalk. I follow her up on the sidewalk and we get back on, I say street, we're back on the street. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, she's whatever, 43 pounds. Like if, if push comes to shove, I can yank her out of the way from a car or, or whatever the case might be. And, and if she decides to take off after a squirrel, like she might pull me a step, but mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's enough mass differential that uh, we're not, we're not taking off on, on a whim, like wherever she wants to go with, with, you know, a 400 pound donkey. 
mm-hmm. slightly different scenario. So like, how do you, how do you, uh, you know, how, again, how did, how did, did you find it with, with Julia of like developing that bond and that trust? And, and I'm sure it's a lot of it's reps and miles and just time together, but you know, anything that, that you've done that that's really kind of, um, you know, seemed like it really worked for you or, or, you know, that you've heard from others that have worked for them? Yeah. Uh, so to kind of break it down to give kind of a little advanced donkey Academy here. Um, so, you know, starting with kind of donkey personality is if a horse is on the far side of the flight spectrum, a donkey's on the, on the completely end of the other side on the, on the fight side. Um, you know, there's some different theories on how that kind of developed, you know, uh, historically donkeys, um, donkeys that were found in the wild in these rocky mountainous environments, um, just kind of like we run in now and, uh, horses are more of a plains animal. So it was advantageous for horses to be able to get up to speed and go fast donkeys. It was more advantageous for them to, to get up to a high point or kind of stop and be a little more methodical about what their, what their plan was going to be. Um, in the mountains, they may not have had as many big predators. So fighting might have been a, a good, good response for that. So their natural instinct is to, is to really, um, and I'm making a few generalizations here, right. but most donkeys, they come into any sort of pressure, like a vehicle or um, a, 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 even just a person, just your presence, their, their reaction is to just stop. It's to, it's, to, it's to freeze, it's to figure it out and, and, take, and take it all in. Um, so that's kind of another part of the um, you know, stubborn misnomer that they get. They, they're just a thinker. They just like to see everything first. Uh, so the dangers of running with a donkey, it's not, it, it's not nearly as great if you were to try to do this with a horse. Um, very rarely do I see somebody get kicked. Um, maybe if I ever do see somebody get kicked, it's, it's at a start line and it's just because of all the excitement. The donkey's not really gunning for you um, in any sort of way. So the, the the danger is significantly lower. Yes, you're still running a 500 pound animal, but um, it's just not it's not quite what the danger that people have mm-hmm. in their mind when they think of horses or equine or livestock or something like that. They're pretty gentle, um, and there's there's the more time you spend, it's like with your dog. The more time, essentially, you just get to know each other and essentially train each other. So when you're running with a donkey, there's three different positions you can run in. Um, so if you think about, you know, you're, you're there, you, your donkey's on the right side of you. Generally the right side is the, the side your animal's on. You can either run in front, which is called, called leading them. So you're essentially guiding them. Um, you can run next to them, uh, which is kind of a medium position. Um, or you can run behind them. And when you're behind them, it's called driving them. So you're kind of helping motivate them and push them along. And that's called driving. Essentially, it's the same principle that you might see with a carriage or a wagon operator or somebody, you know, uh, yeah, a carriage or a wagon. Um, that's all called driving. So you're, you're, you're uh, pu- pushing them from behind. And when you start driving, that's where things really start to get good because uh, you can start to signal your donkey with hand signals. So if we're going to make a left turn um, on a road, I put my right hand out because animals react to pressure. So I'm putting my right hand out, kind of shaking my right hand or shaking my lead rope. They catch that out of the corner of their eye because they have crazy like 280 degree vision or whatever. Um, I put my right hand out. They turn left. They turn away from that. So, you know, like you're like you were saying with your dog, you can say street or sidewalk. You can also start to get into verbal commands. Those those wagon operators and 
and carriage folks, uh, there's a whole vernacular or vocabulary there that they can teach their, their animals word commands. Um, and they turn left or right. I always forget what they are. The hand signals thing just works for me because usually I'm running, <laughs> running and I can't say right, much. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it looks like organized chaos, but once you start to get into it, it's, uh, there's actually a lot of technique and, uh, uh, things you can learn to, to help guide, guide your animal around. And then and I'm assuming, um, that just like anything else, it's, it's, there's general, there's general rules, there's general guidelines, but then it all just comes down to knowing, knowing your animal and, and knowing what, what works well and, and what works for you. And, and y'all just kind of find that balance to, to really form that, that team dynamic. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And it's just, it's so much of it's a team. Uh, and yeah, building that trust is just them getting to know your personality and, and when and what you're going to do when, when you're going to do something. Uh, one of the training things I like to do is, and it, man, it took me, it took me a few years to figure this out. Um, you know, we, as a person, you like variety in your training. You don't like to go out the door and seven days a week, you do the same route. Like that is so boring. Um, and you're, it, get, it gets kind of boring for your donkey too. But one of the things with, with an animal is they kind of enjoy the f- familiarity of going to the same place. So if you looked up any sort of dog training, they tell you, you know, train your dog in your backyard. But then you also have to take it to different places and and reinforce that same behavior so they know that this is a thing everywhere, you know, not just in the backyard. But the backyard is a great place to start. So I have a couple of trails essentially that are called uh, are kind of my proving grounds. So if I have a new donkey that I'm training how to run, um, I go to this place called the Cactus Patch, and it's just an ugly piece of dirt um that's essentially a three i think it's the kids cross country uh like training training route it's outside of the middle school here um and it's just a little three mile three mile loop and i take the donkeys out there that i'm training to run um just over and over and over again um that way we that you know the the they're familiar with what's going on out there they're like okay i'm at this place i know this tree's not scary i know this i've passed by this bright sign seven times so that's nothing to worry about um, and you can really focus on your hand signals and your commands and then actual the fitness part of it. Um, you know, you you and your donkey both have to get fit for this race. Uh, and so it's, you can start to concentrate on more things other than the scary dog, scary tree, scary, whatever. Um, cause that's all a factor in all this jazz. So, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you know, you th- I, I think about all of the different dynamics that go into putting a good training plan together. Like, like, I mean, I coach runners, mm-hmm. so that's obviously something that's always kind of fore, forethought of my mind. Um, but now you're, you're introducing another animal to the mix or another, another, you know, in this case, obviously another animal to the mix and, and y'all both have to, to work together. How much, how much time do you spend training with the donkey versus running? Like, do you run solo ever? Are you always with, with one animal or another? Like, like, you know, how does, how does, how do you kind of balance that to make sure that, like you said, A, it's not boring, but B, that, that you're both hopefully peaking somewhat at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, I mean, essentially you, you become a coach for another animal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, going up to a race. So right now, um, it's, it's, uh, middle end of January and our, our 22, 2022 race schedule is about to start. So our first races are going to start in Arizona. Uh, I think here at mid March, and then, uh, we've got another one, in Arizona, um, April, uh, and then May, we've got one here in New Mexico. And then we move into Colorado for June, July, and August, and then back to Arizona, um, Arizona, uh, yeah, Arizona in 
the fall and California in the spring as well. But uh, so right now, January, we got about two months to our first race. Right now, my big goal is uh, twice a week. So uh, midweek, I try to get a donkey out. I try to get each donkey out. Um, I've got I've got two two right now, getting ready to to get a third. Um, but I try to get them out at least once during the week. And then the during the weekend, we have group runs. So there's a group of us here in the greater Albuquerque area, um, about 10 of us, 15 of us or so. And on Saturday, Sunday mornings, we'll go out for a group run. So that's the the twice a week. As we start to get closer to the run or if, uh, if we're getting ready to train for uh, one of the real the real long races in Colorado, 20 some milers, um, at least at least a month beforehand, if not two months, I'm trying to get each donkey out at least three three times a week. And then as we close into that last four weeks to the race or so, um, it's five days a week. Um, I've gone as much as six, but you tend to start to kind of, I think your the burrow starts to get kind of burned out, um, overtrained. Uh, so anywhere minimum of twice a week, starting to get ready. And then going into three, four, four times a week, uh, five times a week, if you're really trying to be competitive and really get them in the best shape they can be. Right. And you know, I'm sitting here kind of smiling, like kind of like people. You keep doing it too yeah. much and, and the diminishing returns and they almost maybe start to see some regression because you're burned out, you're fatigued, things like that. So it's, it is a, a absolutely. What about, you know, kind of going back to that first story, that first race of um, Julia's paws, giving her, mm-hmm. her hoofs, giving her all kinds of trouble uh, on the on the rocky terrain. How have you, you know, still living in, in like you said, in, in Albuquerque, which, I, and I don't mean claim to be the expert, but I'm assuming still not as much rocky and, and whatnot uh, terrain. Like, how do you, how have you navigated that to make sure that when you get to the more mountainous races that, that the their, their feet don't co- because become a problem? Yeah, and it, it's, only, it's only a problem for probably maybe a quarter to half the donkeys, mm-hmm. um, really the ones that have come from domestic lines. Uh, and she's also a white burrow. So a lot of times you might've heard with your dog, like, you know, those white animals, you look at their paw, they look at their, their, their paw pads and they're light colored. That's maybe indicative of a, of a dog that you could dog that could, um, hurt its, hurt its paws. If you run them too much on like, uh, asphalt or right. something like that. So there's definitely a little bit of a parallel there. Um, and, so yeah, one of the things I've done to kind of mitigate that is there's a few companies out there that that make a little plastic booty that goes over there. Um, I shouldn't say little; it's a pretty beefy <laughs> darn thing. It's a it's a it's a darn trail shoe, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and they're about as expensive, and you got to buy a couple of them. And uh, so yeah, they make these booties. Uh, this, I think they're originally designed for like endurance horse racing. Uh, like uh, if you're familiar with trail running, you know Western States 100. Um, out in California, it's kind of the premier, premier trail race, uh, or a hundred mile trail race that originally started as an endurance horse race. Um, so anyways, the endurance horse racing community needed, needed something that was similar to a trail shoe, um, for their animals. And that's what I use, use for, for Julia most of the time. Um, I, I, I put those shoes on her fronts. Um, the other, the other option that I'm actually going to try this year is that actual, just, you know, steel horseshoe they've been used for thousands of years. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to get some custom shoes made, horseshoes made for her. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're going to, those are just kind of the things that we, we, we're going to do to try to help mitigate it. I'm still by no means have figured it out completely. Um, but I've got another donkey here. This is side tangent, but so 
when you when you go out to get a donkey, there's a few different options you have. Like if you actually want to want to purchase or buy a donkey, um, you can go the Craigslist or Facebook market or Facebook group route, um, which is fine. There's actually a lot of a lot of great animals on there, um, and uh, you can you, and then you can go to like a rescue. There's lots of donkey rescues and stuff. You can essentially kind of you know the pound for donkeys. Um, and uh, a third option is a lot of folks don't know there's actually a lot of wild burrows and horses around the western United States that live on public land. And every so often, um, the public land management agencies round them up and then um, they have a couple of different programs. One of the programs is where they'll ship some of these wild, I mean, straight up feral wild donkeys to horse trainers. The horse trainers train them. Um, you pay a small adoption fee. They, or at least they put some rudimentary training on them. Um, they halter break them, which just means they lead and then they load in a trailer and then they pick up their, um, pick up their feet so you can clean their, clean their hooves. So real, real basic stuff. Um, but you can adopt one of those and those burrows are kind of cool because they've essentially had natural selection pressure on them. Um, and their hooves are extremely hard. So I just got a donkey. His name's Comet. Super cool donkey. Um, from the Bureau of Land Management's program, Wild Horse and Burrow program, and his feet are harder than heck. They're like rocks. I have the toughest time trying to take care of them. Um, and he's a really cool donkey cause, just because he's had that natural selection pressure. And um, so he's built differently, and his hooves are extremely hard, um, and I'm really excited to run him this year. So anyways, side tangent. No, that's that's. I love a side tangent because usually a side tangent brings about a, a side tangential question. Um Comparing comparing the two donkeys. So mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm putting your words together correctly in my head, Julio was a domestic donkey, kind sure. of basically always been around people, that type of thing. You get Comet in the in the mix now, completely different scenario. Even if he's had some training and a little bit of of domestication, it's not natural to him necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how do you, how do you find uh, like comparing and contrasting or or and maybe you're still feeling out comment and still developing that. I'm sure you are still developing that bond, but like what's, what's the initial difference for you as, as the, the running partner of the two donkeys? Like, is it, is it a completely different ball game with, with comment than it, than it has been with, with Julio? Yeah, he's a completely different animal. Um, he's still, so, so full backstory. I got him last April. Um, it's January right now. So I haven't even quite had him a year and I, uh, started to work with him, um, throughout the summer and everything, got him pretty, pretty, uh, pretty used to following me around and, and going on real short little runs or, um, just lots and lots of hikes. Actually, we hiked almost a hundred miles this summer. Um, just lots of low and slow and calm stuff. The biggest difference with him is you can see it right now. I'm, I'm sitting here doing this podcast with you, uh, looking out, looking out my kitchen window and, Julia, they just had their morning breakfast. The sun's coming out, uh, and Julia is pretty much zonked out. She's taking a nap, um, and Comet is kind of relaxed. He's, they're both laying down, but Comet's still watching. His ears, you know, donkeys have these giant ears. His ears are still moving. Um, he's just not nearly as relaxed because uh, he's still got that kind of flight. And Meanwhile, Julia's like, nothing bad ever happens here. Just chill out, bro. <laughs> um, so he's definitely a little more flighty. Um, uh, I had some, I had some things this summer, um, some random things happened. Like, uh, I don't know, he kicked over, he, he, he kicked a stick and, um, there was a bunch of yellow jackets under it oh, no. and that kind of scared him. Um, so he kind of ran up on the hill a little bit. I mean, he ran up like 15 feet or whatever, um, where Julia's really never done that. She's just like, she's just chill as heck. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so he, he's definitely got that, got that instinct in him, um, for sure. Um, but still completely calm, wonderful little dude. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's been a cool, cool thing to try out. Um, plus you just, you get to adopt an animal and, uh, it's, it's a neat. So the adoption fee for that, can you get, give me a guess how much you think it costs to adopt a donkey, a, a previously wild donkey? I don't know. I, I feel like when, when somebody asks a question like that, either it's dirt cheap or it's like to the moon expensive. And I'm going to, I'm going to err on the, the dirt cheap. So maybe, maybe, maybe a hundred bucks. 125 bucks. Okay. Yeah. It is, it is absurdly, absurdly cheap um, to, to get one of these from, from the program. And uh, I think that's another thing that, that makes it pretty neat. It's, it's, you know, like horses and stuff are so expensive and there's so much upkeep to them. It seems like we've got, we've got a couple of quarter horses here and, uh, it just seems like they're always trying to die somehow. <laughs> they are just, they're just trying, trying to hurt themselves, trying to, uh, whatever X, Y, Z issue. Um, but the donkeys are so cheap and easy to take care of. They're, they, they live on really, you know, their background is living in the desert, these crappy environments. Um, so they can get by on pretty cheap feed, uh, cheap hay. And, uh, compared to a horse who has to have pretty expensive, nice hay, um, the donkeys live on cheap hay. Uh, you know, if they get stuck in something, I've had um, this, this, for example, this summer, uh, I took Comet and Julia out on a pack trip. It was Comet's first like backcountry experience and his lead rope got stuck under his leg. Um, we were just going up a trail and he, I had too much slack in between them. Um, in between uh, Julia was leading in front. I had the Comet's lead rope attached to the back of her saddle. So kind of like little pack train thing, if you think in your head. Um, and I just had too much lead rope for him and he stepped over it. Well, you know, a horse might freak out or something like that. Kama just laid down <laughs> and, and I was walking and then suddenly Julia wasn't moving and I turn around and she's kind of like, you know, uh, her legs are splayed out. She's like, I don't know what's happening, but there's a lot of weight on my butt right now. And I turn around and Kama just laid down. Um, so Cool, cool animal. They just don't freak out. They're, you know, something bad happens. They usually just freeze um, versus a horse that might, yeah, just lose it. Um, so, yeah, easy to take care of. They're, they're cheap. They're, they're perfect for somebody who doesn't know anything about livestock. They're so patient with you. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's scary to think about just getting into horses and all the, the, the story, war stories you've heard. Um, and, uh, I've done all sorts of crazy dumb things with my burrows while I was learning this stuff. And they were so patient and so gracious to me. Um, and, uh, yeah, never hurt, hurt themselves or anyone in the process. So that's, that's awesome. Um, you know, I guess maybe getting, getting close to wrapping up, but, and, and I don't know if this is the, the, the most pleasant part of the conversation, but, you know, we talked about our dogs earlier, both my dogs tend to now. So both, both getting to that point where, you know, the, 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 less time is available than time has passed and, and getting to the end of life with, with the yep. dogs. What's, what's the kind of lifespan or competitive span with, with a donkey? Is it, is it similar? Is it longer? Like what, what kind of time frame do you have with, with an animal when you get it and, mm -hmm. and you're looking to build a running team relationship? Yeah. Donkeys are extremely long lived. So, uh, we've had, we've had donkeys and races, uh, well in their twenties, um, it's not unheard of to, for them to, to make it into their thirties, um, and still be able to get around. If you're not looking to be a, be a super fast racer, they would be more than happy to, to do one of the short courses and hike them with you when they're in their late twenties. Um, you, you generally wait till they're about two to start training them. 
uh, or to, I guess, really start working them. Uh, just you got to give them time for their bones and their joints to develop and everything. You don't want to put any extra pressure on that. So two, three years old before you start doing doing stuff with them. Um, and then, yeah, you've got essentially 20 years of 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 I don't I don't want to say useful life because that doesn't right. that's not what I mean. But you've got you know where you can do a lot of hard work, uh, big runs and um, uh, big pack trips and stuff. Uh, and it's it's really it. They're, they're a long investment. It's pretty cool to, to essentially, you know, uh, yeah, 20 years. That's a long time to spend with an animal. Uh, it's part of your, it is 100, these guys are 100% part of my family. Um, and they're going to be around for a long time. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And that's, you know, I'm a dog guy again. I'm sure that probably already came through, but like, like that's the one thing about dogs, right? Is like, like I'm a big dog guy. So it's like you get, you get 10, 10 years is what you kind of hope for. Anything after that is kind of borrowed time. Um, and obviously you don't always get to 10. So like with it, with an animal like that, um, and, and somebody that you're running with. And, and I mean, like I said, I'm the relationship I built with my dog. Like, like it's funny around like the kind of the joke around my house is that it's, it's my, I mean, it's our dog, but like Mm -hmm. if push comes to shove, like it's my dog. Like, and and I have no doubt that that's because of all the miles we spent running and just that extra time and that extra bond. Um, and so to think about having that with an animal for twice as long, potentially even more than that, like, like that's pretty cool. Yeah. And and same thing with personalities. Like we've got three dogs and then we've definitely, I mean, they're all me and my wife's dogs, but they've all got personalities or, you know, quirks of their own. And, um, yeah, a couple of them are definitely mine (laughs) and it, and same thing with donkeys. Uh, it, uh, uh, my wife gets along with Julia, uh, way better than I do for running. Um, packing me and Julia get along well hiking and stuff. Um, but I'm really starting to develop a bond with Comet. We're both kind of just, just bonehead runners. Sometimes we mess stuff up. Sometimes we, we go way faster than we should be going and then we pay for it later. And, um, really, yeah, just the things that make you smile. Uh, yeah. Do you have a good estimate for how old Comet is? Uh, so when they aged him, when they pulled him off the, the range or the public land, uh, they said four or five years old was their best guess. So, um, had him about a year, so call him six. So he's just, just starting to learn the ropes and, uh, will be coming into his prime. I was going to say, yeah, I got a couple more years and he'll be peaking. You have a good, good long career with him, hopefully. I'm hoping so. He's, 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 a, he's a cool, cool donkey. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, as, we, as we're wrapping up today, Shane, one, one last question for you. I'll get you out of here. Um, and, yeah. and, and call it the philosophical question at the end, just because it's kind of back to like the intro question. Something that's open-ended, take it whichever way you want to go with it. And um, one of the questions that I sometimes ask is, uh, like what you have learned from, from running. Uh, cause I feel like running is a good teacher. I've learned a lot of lessons, life lessons from, from just my running that, that has helped me. Um, but I'd be curious to put a little twist on it for you. What have you learned from running with the, the donkeys? What have you learned from, from Julia, maybe already from Comet, any type of, of mm-hmm. lessons you've learned from running with, with the animals that kind of plays out in other areas of your life beyond just the pack burrow racing and, and maybe running in general. So let me think. Uh, two things come to mind. Um, one is, so as runners and especially trail runners or getting into ultra distances, um, you, you kind of need a big ego, right? You need to be able to tell yourself <laughs> or lie to yourself that you can do this. It's all going to be okay. Um, and uh, with burrow racing, and it, it took me at least a year, um, you, you really got to drop the ego um, that, that at least, you know, I'll, speaking first person, the, the ego I de- developed, um, really had to drop it. And cause you are working as a team, um, you know, running is usually such a solo endeavor, uh, than jumping into a team sport with another animal. 
Um, you have your expectations, but the thing is the donkey, the donkey can't tell you if they're having a bad day. Um, you know, like, you, you know, if you go out with a group run and the groups, you know, groups having a great day and you're just not feeling it and your donkey has those same days and you got to start to learn to when to push them, when not to push them. Um, and when it's just, you know, it's totally okay to, to hike and walk it, walk it in. Um, and that's been a really tough thing to learn, uh, just cause I'm, I'm competitive, uh, and yeah, you, it's, I don't, I don't know how I would wrap that up into a kind of a single, single thing, but, uh, yeah, you're just working, working as a team and, uh, yeah. So, and then the second thing that popped in my head when you asked that was, uh, uh, consistency, uh, you're a coach. So I'm sure you always talk about, talk about consistency, just getting out, getting your, your days, days of the week, uh, your, you know, four or five exercises or whatever training sessions in, um, and then just trying to be consistent uh, about moving and getting out. And uh, it's the same thing with the donkey. Um, it's amazing how many times I have to relearn that lesson. It's, uh, you know, you get two or three good weeks in and you're like, oh, my God, goodness, this is doing well. And then you miss a couple of weeks and the runs are kind of haphazard, whatever. And then um, things aren't going well. Then you get back to doing a couple of good weeks of training and you're like, oh, my goodness, consistency. So anyways, a couple of yeah. No. Two answers to your question. Perfect. Yeah. Good, good stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I can only imagine how much amplified some of those things are when, like you said, it's not just yourself, but now it's, it's this donkey and it's this other creature, this, yeah. other, this other animal that's out there. And, and yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, and, uh, oh wow. So it sounds fun. Like, like I said, I mean, I, I was curious from the beginning. Uh, I'm even more, more curious now is, is something that would be a, an awesome thing to try. So who knows, maybe I'll, I'll head out West at some point and, yeah. and and try it out. Like you said, take a, take a vacation and just have some fun. And, and, and wow. Anyway. So, so one of the, so if someone's going to come out and try this or wants to come check it out, I would 100%, um, come, come, come visit one, come take the family or your significant other out and come, come check out one of these races. They're spectacular just to watch. Um, even if you, maybe you're just thinking about it, or you want to learn about it. Um, there's over 20 races on the calendar for this year. The organization that, that, helps kind of collectively keep us all together is called the Western Pack Borough Association, um, WPBA. And on their website, uh, we've got a full race schedule. And these races aren't just like one thing happening during the day. Usually they're the focal point of an entire festival, like mining days, boom days, uh, prospector days. There's usually a giant event happening in the town at that time. So they're super family friendly. There's a, always a bunch of vendors and things going on. Um, so there's a full weekend of events usually planned around these races. Um, so come out and watch one. They're awesome to watch. Uh, and then, you know, just come out to the staging area, uh, you know, look for the 30, 40 horse trailers parked on some side road and just come hang out and talk to us and, uh, uh, check it out. So, uh, Western Packboro Association, um, and then our race schedules, race schedules on that website. Awesome. And we'll, we'll make sure to have that link up in the show notes as well for anybody that, that is, is intrigued. Uh, and we'll have Shane's stuff as well. Y'all, uh, com for more information about what he's got going on there. And again, it's same, same handle, I guess, on Facebook and Instagram at yep. nmpackburrows. Uh, disruns.com slash one zero one eight is the place to find all those things. And I'm going to, uh, Hope I'm not writing a check that Shane doesn't want to cash. But if you have questions on it, I'm sure you can probably reach out to him and uh, Absolutely. get back to you and give you some of that information and kind of help you help you decide if it's something that you want to you want to try. And, and who knows, maybe uh, oh, like I said, it sounds it sounds like a great time. It sounds like a, a lot of fun. And, and even if you don't want to, you know, have the, the time or the capital or the location to invest in having your own donkey and really go all in on it, but you know, just having the opportunity to, to be around some of those festivals and maybe uh, 
I don't know, just run with somebody's donkey once in a while. Like that would be, that'd be cool. So anyway, Shane, thanks for, for the time today. I, I appreciate it. My, my head's spinning. I'm, I'm grinning ear to ear, just thinking about the idea of, of running with, running with a donkey. Um, but I, I appreciate your time today sharing some of the, your knowledge and your experience and, uh, hope you have a great racing season in 2022 and, and beyond my friend. Absolutely. Thank you all. All righty then. Thanks, y'all, for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Shane and myself. And as per usual, be curious to know what stood out to you. What was your uh, takeaway from our little chit chat today? Um, for me, it was it was maybe big picture, but it's just the idea of how much diversity there really is within our sport, and and how many opportunities we have to just get out there and have fun. Um, I know when I, when I think about running more often than not, the two things that kind of like, as far as racing goes, you know, it's, it's road races, it's trail, trail ultras that like, those, the, you know, just being honest, like not saying that those are the only two things, of course, but those are the two things that kind of pop into my mind. And, and with, with today's conversation and, and in case you couldn't tell, like, like I am so intrigued by this idea of burrow racing and, um, definitely could see, you know, trying to sweet talk Rebecca into, a. Uh, somewhere Western States vacation to to go and um, witness the the tomfoolery and maybe have a chance to to run somebody's donkey or whatever, um, but like just just the opportunities to have fun. They don't need and you don't need to you know not every every different style of racing needs to appeal to you, but you know I mean we, we've got we we've got OCR type of events we've got Ragnar type of events um, we've got borough racing type of events. Um, and who knows what else? I mean, who knows what other kind of, of things are out there that I've never heard of before. I'm sure there's dozens of them. And, and just, just the diversity within our sport, as far as different ways to race and different ways to ways to run and different ways to just have fun. It's just awesome. Like how cool is running? And I, that's my takeaway, I guess is how cool is our sport that there can be, a, a subsection or a, a sect of the sport that's all about holding on sometimes for dear life to uh, you know a four or five hundred pound donkey and just and just hammering it down a trail back through town to get to the finish line. I mean, just awesome. Just our sport is awesome. That's it. That's it. Mike drop. Our sport's awesome. That's my takeaway for today. What about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? What was your takeaway? Uh, if you're willing to share, I'd love to hear it. At DizRuns on Twitter, at DizRuns on Instagram. You can also send an email, of course, at DizRuns at gmail.com. And you can also, as always, head over to the show notes for today, DizRuns.com slash 1018, DizRuns.com slash 1018. i got some photos of Shane and his, and his donkeys. we got uh, links. we got photos. I just said we got photos, so in case you're wondering, we do, in fact, have photos. Uh, but links, and of course, we got that comment section down at the bottom of the page. You can always leave your thoughts and feedbacks down there uh, in as many words as you want. No no character limit when it comes to the comment section of the website. So let me know what you think. Type out a novel. Promise I'll read it and we'll respond. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, once again, concierge coaching is available. If you, if you would like me to show up a couple times a, a, a year to your races, pace you, run with you, cheer you on, remind you to drink and eat and do all the things... Uh, that's 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 what the concierge coaching is all about. So check it out, disruns.com slash concierge. Any questions, let me know. We'll get you sorted. And uh, until next time, y'all, be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Later, y'all.